welcome back to that i70 show how was your weekend i went to a red rock show on friday i went to dead mouse which i what? was calling i was calling dead mouse five until <laughs> someone corrected me but um i i went in blind i've never even heard a dead mouse song but my friend had some extra tickets I will say, I think um, Dead Mouse is kind of going through like a rough phase in his life because he was just up there like kind of just chain smoking cigarettes, uh, wasn't even wearing the masks for most of it, and, <laughs> and uh, he seemed pretty bummed out. So Jeez. I, I don't know that I got the, the Dead Mouse experience that, uh, that gave him his reputation. Yeah, it doesn't sound like it because I was going to say... That that would have been a show, a sought after show, and I I would yeah. have gone to that. Yeah. It was expensive. It was like eighty bucks or something. But um, I don't think he was playing his hits, uh, from what I heard. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I just did like three hours of manic swing and then went home. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that sounds interesting, Alex. How was your weekend? <laughs> It was good. Went uh, went back up to Boulder for the Buffs game, which was fun. They got blown out, but my bet hit. Right, so Oregon, was, right? Yeah, Oregon. Uh, I think it was, what, 49 to 21, 14 maybe, something like that. But my bet hit, so that's all that mattered to me. <laughs> and it was a beautiful uh, weekend on the front range, so that's that was all good. And then we all met up at um, our good fan, friend Cliff's uh, – dinner party which right as we're rolling up we realized it was his co-workers dinner party <laughs> in Arvada um what are your guys' thoughts on that that evening that was Saturday evening I had already had quite a few beers earlier in the day yeah that was that was one of the stranger vibes um that I've been around in a while <laughs> yeah I, I I think um Cliff didn't tell the host that he had a plus let so first of all cliff invited 10 other people and didn't inform the host until the night before <laughs> so <laughs> i think uh i think it was kind of destined to go to be a little bit off <laughs> which is kind of surprising because we all brought uh golden myrrh as so to speak to the party <laughs> we all brought like lavish <laughs> gifts to this party we brought Pickles, syrup, $12 syrup, two things of apple cider, which is totally a random uh, array of ingredients. You brought some really nice flowers, but my point is we spent a bunch of money on it. And then I felt like we got chased out of there a little bit. Nothing against those guys because it turns out they didn't know we were coming. But yeah, it was a really awkward, weird party. I think there are just too many of us for them to like possibly like interact with all of us. So and, it kind of turned into just us talking amongst ourselves. And they were probably 10 years older than us at least. At right? least. Yeah. So that probably also didn't help the vibe either when you have 15, <laughs> 25 year olds walking into your apartment or into your house. Um, Sydney, what was more fun swaying at the, at the dead mouse concert or going to the dinner party? That's tricky. I think I was probably more in my element at Dead Mouse, but I, I wasn't really in my element at either of those two places. Yeah, for comparison for our audience, 
Sydney played the dinner party episode of The Office when we got home. We watched it in bed together, and and I was uh, feeling some deja vu. <laughs> anyway, um, so it sounds like it was a great weekend. Let's jump into our Mountain of the Week segment. Get get back into skiing, Alex. You are going to take 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 away the Mountain of the Week segment this week with uh, Winter Park. What do you have for us this week? Yeah, I was um so. A few months ago, I think back in September, they posted a blog about some new updates to the mountain this season, and uh, some of them were actually pretty cool, so I figured I'd share them. Um, one thing was that they're going to uh, open up some new terrain, um, some more expert-only stuff up in the Cirque, kind of on the, if you ever skied there, uh, the very end, uh, what they call the, uh, I believe they call it the jelly roll area. It's like, it's very steep, um, but it's doesn't really get um too much sun so it stays pretty fluffy for a few days after a storm so that should be fun is that is that on the near side of the cirque like when you're skiing out there or is that past the cirque like you have to go all the way on the other side of it that's uh pretty pretty far um i guess on the other side you're gonna have to you're gonna have have to to skate or walk your skis Mm -hmm. yeah you ski all the way around so it's gonna be a hike to get there which just means that it might stay even better longer because people won't want to walk that far. Yeah. And the cat only takes you so far. So, um, cool. So that should be fun. And then they're going to open up some more terrain over by, uh, with the, like the shoots, what they call the powder field between, uh, trestle and then what are traditionally now the Mary Jane shoots. And so that's some super steep cliff, you know, um, tree run areas that are really fun. So I'm looking forward to being able to ski through there. And then some other new fun stuff is there, uh, they're going to, improve the parking at Mary Jane, which I guess parking is not that much fun, but if you ever tried to ski there or park there on a weekend on a powder day, it's mm-hmm. pretty much impossible. You're walking up a road for miles, but, uh, they're going to add a couple hundred more spots and they're going to have an app that'll, uh, give you live parking updates, which can be kind of cool. So, uh, wow. so I think some, some good improvements for winter park are coming this season. So hopefully I'm excited to ski there. I totally agree. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. I wouldn't have uh, known otherwise. I gotta. I still need to get my Icon Pass. Just need to uh, get someone's uh, college itinerary sent over to me first. Just kidding. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, Alex, thanks for sharing. I'm looking forward to hopefully skiing Winter Park. And I'm Satchel. I know you have the Icon, so you'll be there too. Now it's time for our pitchers and pitches segment uh, where. Weekly, we're going to share a business idea surrounding the ski industry. Actually, it doesn't have to surround the ski industry. Um, but for our audience, I'm notorious for having random business ideas that seemingly never get off the ground or <laughs> even started remotely. And so why not give them away to the audience? One of you could uh, start start this business and uh, definitely if, if it takes off, write in and, and let me know that I'm not an idiot. But um, this week, what I've got for you is... I think that the ski tuning business is a little bit dated. I don't think there's been like a ton of innovation in the ski tuning business. And so what if there was a subscription model for ski tuning? I think this plays off of the kind of startup idea of ARR. You're getting uh, annual recurring revenue from subscriptions. It would be a very lucrative business, but you could... Um, set up a shop right along I-70 or somewhere somewhere where skiers are frequenting and they could come and get their skis tuned, let's say three times a month or 
two times a month, and uh, they pay a standard flat fee every month. That I think it would be, you know, it would be a more predictable business because you know how many subscribers you have to that business. And then they could, uh, for the for the consumer, it'd be really nice because when they're on their way up to the ski mountain, they could just text the shop and uh, you could have their skis ready to go. Um, so it would kind of act as both ski storage and as uh, ski tuning. Um, ski tuning something that I think we all neglect. We, uh, at least I neglect, certainly. Um, I guess I'll ask that question to you guys. Satchel, how many times a year do you think you tune your skis? I think I've had my skis for like two seasons now. I ha- I've never tuned them. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know like what a good time frame is that like a responsible person tunes their skis. Maybe yeah. two years isn't that bad. I I assume it is. <laughs> I I that's actually a good question. I think someone recently told me the standard is every ten days of skiing. I, a ski tech might tell you every every three times or something that, crazy. That blows my mind. Yeah, but um. <laughs> Alex, how about you? I, I'm in the same boat as Satchel. I've probably had my skis for two seasons now, and I've never tuned them. And in fact, I know I, they should be tuned because the metal edge is peeling away from the ski at the tip. So I'm pretty sure I need to get that fixed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know if that's even a tune-up. <laughs> I think that's a more, whole that's some problem. more serious repair. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that probably is. Well, it sounds like we're all due for a tune-up this year, but and and maybe that also unvalidates my my idea, or maybe it means that we're just uh, broke broke twenty five year olds that aren't going to spend on ski tuning as long as we're going down something steep enough. You don't need your skis to be going to to be gliding very nicely. Um, <laughs> that's one way to think about it. But yeah, Alex, we did talk about another product that kind of, I guess you could say complements this idea or, or even you could say puts pressure on ski tuning shops, which is called the Phantom Glide product. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, so I, yeah, so it's called Phantom or Phantom Glide from DPS. Um, they came out with this product a few years ago and it's pretty cool. It's like this chemical glide, I guess, substance or, um, it's not wax. So it's, it's, it's different in that wax is not permanent. It'll it'll kind of come off of the ski. And this chemical compound that they've created actually uses UV light to absorb into the base of your ski. So it should never actually come off. So um, whereas wax will wear off over, you know, a number of runs or however long it does, this actually stays for the life of your ski. And you could even wax on top of it. Uh, if you wanted to, you can repair the ski um, it really doesn't harm your ski at all. Just it's a permanent glide. So you never have to get a wax. You still have to, you know, edge your ski and, and tune it in other ways, but, uh, or, you know, if you were to core shot it, you'd have to get that fixed, but it's a pretty sweet solution to, to kind of, um, replace having to wax your skis, you know, every maybe 10, 10 days you ski or whatnot. Wow. So, uh, it's supposedly pretty simple to, to do, you know, a, a tech, a ski shop could do it for you. But it also sounds like you could do it yourself. They kind of send you this kit where you apply the glide to your ski. Then you use their, um, I guess, like they have like a sander or something that you would like find it down on your ski and then let it sit in the UV light in the sun for an hour. And then supposedly it's done. Wow. It sounds like we would all benefit from that. I think we should go ahead and order one. I, honestly, I, I'm up for it. Um, 
I might, I might order one uh, and we can uh, get back to the audience and, and let everyone know how applying it actually worked how, and then eventually test it out on snow and let everyone know our review of it. Speaking of reviews, um, we'll jump into our industry segment, which uh, we have some questions prepared uh, for the audience and, and for us three today. Um, and the first one being, where do you guys get your ski gear? Um, Satchel, why don't you go first? Ski gear. Um, I used to always go to Boulder Ski Deals. I haven't been there in a while. I don't know if it's like still a good place to go. Is it even still there? That is a good question. Actually, it is still there, but it was bought by Epic Mountain Gear. So um, the the evil empire continues its reign and, and buys up all of the ski industry. But yeah, so they, they're owned by Vail now. Um, but it's still there. That's a great location. And actually, that's a place where I used to get all my ski gear as a kid as well. But uh, a good choice, still there in Boulder on uh, Arapahoe. Alex, how about you? Um, so I used to go to that Snee Grab sale and buy the Sports Authority, you know, uh, markdown stuff, which clearly was too good of a sale for Sports Authority because now they're not in business anymore. But uh, now I really like to go to Powder 7 in Golden. Um, I think it's a pretty pretty sweet shop. They have a lot of good uh, inventory and the staff is super helpful and knowledgeable. So it's, uh, it's a great place to go and ask questions and you know get your gear there. I totally agree. I've been in that shop before. I think it is a great uh, local local shop to support and they, they have some great goods and advice in there. I think if you're looking for, if you don't really know what you want, they, they can totally help you out. Um, for me, I would say backcountry.com. I feel like there's always good deals to be found on there, especially if you're patient. But um, the next question would be, what are your favorite hard goods and soft goods brand? I'm going to shorten this one up for us. We're going to go with what is your favorite ski, so hard goods, ski specifically company. Um, Satchel, back to you. Alex told me the name of his, the brand name of his skis yesterday and I and I've already forgotten what they're called. Uh, <laughs> Alex, remind me the, the brand of your skis. Moments. Moments skis uh, are my favorite hard good. I've never skied on them. I've seen how they look, and I am very impressed with their decals. So that's my hard goods choice. We got to get you a pair this season then. Yeah. I, I think that'll be my next. Pair. Start saving, Alex. How about you? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna follow up with Satchel, and I'm gonna go with moments. Um, oh, moment, geez. I have skied them, and <laughs> their decal is absolutely the coolest decal out there. So, uh, moment is the best ski. It's the best ski out there. I agree. I agree. Great decal. Um, I would go ahead and say uh, it's a toss up for me. I really love factions. They've become the industry standard for downhill. I mean, sorry for big mountain skiers. I know so many kids who ski on factions and typically they're really talented skiers. Personally, I love my black crows. They've been really good to me. I will say though, I recently blew up my edge on my black crows, but I ski my skis so hard. I think it would have happened no matter what brand I was skiing. So, uh, but my answer is black crows for hard goods. Last question as part of the industry segment, who do you think is winning in terms of optics, um, specifically for goggles? Who do you think is winning the industry and why? Um, Alex, we'll start with you this time. Yeah, I feel like it's the industry is dominated by Smith and then probably Oakley behind them. But I bet one reason Smith does so well is 
I think they have really, they're really good at marketing and they have, they put, you know, they put the goggles on really famous people. Um, plus they have a nice compatibility with their helmets. And I think a lot of people buy Smith helmets. And so, you know, if you want your goggles to fit right, you kind of, you buy the package. And I think they've done a really nice job, um, I guess, creating something that the user uh, enjoys. Yeah, it would be interesting to see who or what makeup, what percentage makeup each of those brands covers in terms of market share for for optics in the in the industry. Satchel, uh, what what goggles do you ski with, and uh, who do you think is a market leader? One thing about Smith, I think they have like kind of a price point for everyone too, which like I think a lot of those other brands, it's like you either got to spend sixty dollars or like a couple hundred dollars, but I think mm-hmm. Smith has like a lot of those. Uh, intermediate goggles right now i have spies i it's like my first nice pair of goggles but honestly i don't really know what the like i think they were like 200 dollars. i don't really know what the extra 150 dollars gets you uh compared mm-hmm. with a 50 dollar goggle i'm not unimpressed but like i just don't know that i can uh tell the difference yeah the last i think longer, that's fair maybe they're more scratch resistant well, with, with goggles, it definitely depends how you treat them. And if you're like my, my brother or my dad, they're going to last a season, if that, <laughs> <laughs> throwing them in the back of the truck and whatnot. No, that's true for sure. But what I will add to that is I think your point about Smith having a price point for everyone is a, is a really salient point. Um, Oakley actually is owned by uh, a company called... Luxotica. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but they actually also own Ray-Ban. I don't know if you guys knew that, but uh, Ray-Ban specifically and Luxotica have been um, scrutinized, I think, more broadly outside the ski industry for being just an upscale company that's that's overcharging for, for glasses. So really interesting to think about. I'm currently skiing with a pair of Giros. I think they are more prevalent with helmets, but um, I've seen some influencers, if you will, some other really um, good big mountain skiers who are skiing with um, with Giro. So I, I I would shout them out as uh, an up and comer. I got yeah. one more up and comer. I think Zeal uh, makes really good Ooh. products. I I haven't had a pair of their ski goggles, but I had a pair of their sunglasses for like five years, and I think that's pretty rare for me to own anything for five years. So. Uh, <laughs> that's impressive <laughs> yeah no no i actually like zeals too i skied with zeals so so they're a good up-and-comer and they're a local brand i believe out of boulder as well so shout out to the uh the hometown uh brands and companies um moving on i think we have our from the road segment um first off we would love to hear from some of our listeners and get input um, if you've recently driven on the road to the mountains, it doesn't matter where you were going skiing. We'd love to hear from you, but specifically for my 70 would be great as well. Uh, this show was kind of uh, birthed from the idea that you could get some updates about the ski industry and about I-70. And um, so if, if, you, if there are any listeners out there that want to write to us or uh, write to us via our email, which is that I-70 things pod. Uh, or sorry, that i70 things at gmail.com or leave us an audio recording on Anchor. You can you can do that through the Anchor app. Uh, I believe you can access that through Spotify as well. 
uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, today, I saw that there was some rock slides on I-70 that were actually uh, causing slowdowns. I saw that on um, the I-70 things Instagram page. Um, and and um, so it's, if you're going skiing today, you might have encountered some traffic on a Tuesday, which is just horrendous. Um, and then lastly, I wanted to mention the 100 car pileup that happened earlier this weekend. Um, unfortunately, on November 4th, right after on that tail end of the, the snowstorm that we got here in Denver, there was a 100 car pileup on 6th Avenue and Kalamath. Um, apparently, the road was really icy and cars were just going into each other left and right. Um, I don't think anybody died. I apologize if I'm getting that wrong. But um, yeah, certainly people were injured and uh, transported to the hospital. People were having to be evacuated from their cars, from the fire department. Sounds like a, a really bad time. So um, just a reminder to winterize your guys' cars and um, make sure you have uh, the traction going on that you need uh, so, so that we can all get and get up there skiing without any problems. Because um, nobody, nobody likes to get in an accident and um, certainly we want to keep everyone all of our listeners safe and everyone safe on the road. So um, just a reminder. And um, I think that's pretty much all we have for you guys. Um, we'll, we'll leave off with uh, me asking Satchel and Alex, what are your guys' plans for this weekend? Do you plan to go for the, go up to the mountains? And uh, actually, happy early birthday to one of our uh, co-hosts, Alex. It's his birthday this weekend. So I know we're all going to be together celebrating in Denver on Saturday. Big two six. Thanks, Jackson. I appreciate it. And uh, and Satchel, why don't you tell the the audience what our plan is for Sunday? Sunday, um, we have our first in person training for becoming Vail ski instructors. And actually, I I was initially assigned to three to six ages three to six, and I just learned today that I'm seven to teen now, which is huge for me. Big news. You won't be changing diapers. You might actually be skiing some some runs on the mountain. So yeah. that's what our weekend outlook looks like. And uh, hopefully we'll see some of you guys up on the road um, on Saturday night, Sunday morning. We haven't figured that out yet, but um, I will uh, we'll see you guys out there. Pray for snow and have a good weekend.